0: So this is lesson 45 and it finds us in chapter 14 of Romans. And, you know, this is really a hard chapter for those who want to eat biblically clean foods and those who uh, have begun to honor the Sabbath and the festivals of the Lord. And it's hard because it's been so misunderstood by the church. Paul will speak of those whose faith is weak as eating only vegetables And the church has taught that if you eat biblically clean foods, as the Torah requires, and avoid the unclean, then you are weak in faith. And then he speaks of special days. And the church has taken that statement to mean that if you keep the Sabbath and you keep the festivals of the Lord, then your faith is weak. Well, the passage doesn't speak of eating clean and unclean. It's not about eating the other white meat. (laughs) Nor does it speak about the Sabbath and the festivals. And the whole passage starts out by telling us that it's about the opinions of men. Both of those things are Torah commandments. And for Paul, Torah commands are not an option. They're They're absolutes. They have to be kept. They're the commands of God. It's not a man who says, do not eat meat from an animal that does not chew the cud. It's God. It's not a man who says, these are my Sabbaths and you shall keep them holy. It's God. These are commands of God. They're things that aren't negotiable. They're the very wishes of God for his people. And what is spoken of in this chapter are not the commands of God, but as we read last week, and we're going to read again in a moment, Paul is addressing the opinions of men. And he's telling us in the passage not to pass judgment on these unimportant opinions of other men. As long as they don't transgress the commands of God, then opinions are just that, nothing more. Nothing to argue about. You can talk about them. Certainly nothing to divide over. So let's begin again. And let's start with verse 1. And we'll see how this has uh, been misunderstood. And why we can rule this passage is certainly about, not about the Sabbath and the festivals or the unclean food laws. We can find it in the very first verse. It says, Now accept the one who's weak in faith, but not for the purposes of passing judgment. On his opinions. It says, don't pass judgment on his opinions. Paul is not going to be speaking about the commands of God, but the opinions of other men. Paul would never call the dietary laws of God or the command to gather on the Sabbath of the Lord an opinion. It's not an opinion. There's no opinion involved. When it comes to the Sabbaths of God, he's quite specific. Six days shall you labor, and on the seventh day, rest. It's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. When Paul says opinion, Paul is speaking of things that are negotiable. He's speaking of man's interpretation of the laws of God. Verse 2 says, One person's faith has faith that he may eat all things. But he who is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats. For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Paul really sums up the chapter in these statements that I underlined. Do not regard with contempt. Do not judge men for opinions. Why? Because you're taking the place of the judge. The Lord is the judge. So it says, One person has faith that he may eat all things. One of the things that we know the Romans were forbidden to eat besides unclean animals that are found in the Torah that might fall into this opinion category, is meat that might have been offered to an idol. You see, it was forbidden for Gentiles in the community to eat meat that was offered to an idol. That's what was the decision of the apostles in Acts chapter 15. It says, "...it is my judgment, therefore, that we not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God, but instead we should write them telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols." Why would they decide that Gentiles should avoid meat offered to idols? Well, it's real easy because it's a Torah command. Leviticus chapter 17 verses 8 and 9 says, Say to them, any Israelite or alien living among them who offers a burnt offering or a sacrifice and does not bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting to sacrifice it to the Lord, that man shall be cut off from his people. Why would the Lord command that the Israelites and the aliens among them only offer animals at the tent of meeting? Well, if they were going to make an offering and it wasn't at the tent of meeting, they just went up to some high place, there would be a chance, or at least it would appear, that they were offering this animal to another god. And so God says, if you're going to offer an animal anywhere other than the temple or the tabernacle, you need to be cut off. This offering of an animal to an an idol is an abomination to God. And so, so, going back to the decision of the disciples regarding Gentiles, if they were eating meat that was offered to an idol, that would be an abomination to God. And it would indicate to others, others may think, well, this person really hasn't left paganism, idol worship. He's still worshiping idols. Why would this command fall into opinion or a disputable matter? Well, as you can imagine, in a city where there were multiple, multiple gods were worshipped, as in Rome, there were many animals offered. And the meat of those animals would often end up in markets with meat that wasn't offered to animals. To idols, I mean. And so if you were one who was unsure where your meat came from, Or whether or not it was offered to an idol, you might not want to eat meat. You might abstain and eat vegetables only. Or you might be certain enough or sure enough that your actions, you did not worship an idol. And that you felt you were confident that you could eat this meat. And you might eat the meat. Judging by Paul's statement in verse 4, he says, Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Each side was judging the other. Those who were eating meat more than likely were being judged as idol worshipers. And the ones, uh, ones who were violating the instructions of the apostles. And the ones eating only vegetables were being judged as weak in the faith. Because those... Eating knew that they had not offered anything to an idol, but merely purchased the meat in the market. And so they ate it with a clear conscience. But anyway, we covered all this last week. And I don't want to go through it again. I just wanted to get us up to date if if someone wasn't here last week. But let's go on to hear what he says next. One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. Now, I underlined one person regards because I want you to see again that we're speaking of opinion here. If you were speaking of one of the commands of God, he wouldn't say one person regards one day above another. He would say, as it is written, the Sabbath is holy to the Lord. Because it's opinions being spoken of here, he says, each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. It's your opinion. I hope you're convinced. Right? Right? If we were speaking of the Sabbath and the vessels, there'd be nothing to be convinced about because God is so, the sovereign of the world and he said they're holy. They'll always be holy. However, that's not how the church interpreted this passage. Every commentary you read, bar none, I'd like to see someone bring me one, that doesn't say that this passage refers to God's Sabbath and states that Christianity is to worship on the first day and Judaism on the Sabbath. Well, let me tell you, that's just not so. Because at this time that Paul's writing the letter, every Jew, every non-Jew in the faith, held the Sabbath as the day of rest. How do we know that? Well, first, scriptures never refer to anyone worshiping on the first day of the week as in Sunday morning. But record people going to the synagogue all throughout scripture. Over and over, it says, Paul went to the synagogue and preached on the Sabbath day. The very first indications of a switch to the first day is Sunday morning do not happen until well after the destruction of the temple and the passing of the disciples. The very first reference to a switch is about 95 common era in the Didache. And for those of you who may not know what the Didache is, it means teaching of the 12 apostles it's the earliest of the doctrinal statements it does not take much of a any more than a quick read to determine that this was not the teaching of the 12 apostles because it often varies from their teaching and if it was a teaching of the 12 apostles we would have another book of the bible called the didache right so here's here's a reference to this didache 14:1 says on the lord's own day gather together and break bread and give thanks having first confessed your sins so that your sacrifice may be pure so this is the very first refer- this is one of the very first references to the first day as in sunday morning being a day of worship the next we find around 105 in the writings of Ign- ignatius and this guy is a little more anti-semitic it says this If then those who had lived according to the ancient practices came to the newness of hope, no longer keeping the Sabbath, but living in accordance with the Lord's day, on which our life also arose through him and his death, which some deny, the mystery through which we came to believe and because of which we patiently endure in order that we may be found to be disciples of Messiah Yeshua, our only teacher, how can we possibly live without him whom even the prophets who were his disciples in the spirit were expecting as their teacher? Now, I want you to know this fellow was totally against Judaism and anything that had to do with Judaism. If we go to the 10th chapter, he says this. It says, It's monstrous to talk of Jesus Christ and to practice Judaism. And if we go to another letter that he wrote to the Philadelphians, he says, If anyone interpret Judaism to you, do not listen to him. For it's better to hear Christianity from the circumcised than Judaism from the uncircumcised. These are the earliest works that state anything about anybody keeping the first day of the week as in Sunday morning and not keeping the Sabbath. The epistle of Barnabas would be another. So what we see here is what I pointed out before is with the destruction of the temple and the death of the apostles came about a major shift in the faith. We don't really understand how important that temple was and the original apostles' teachings were in keeping our faith on track. The temple of God held importance for obvious reasons. I mean, it's the temple of God. And the apostles had studied under Yeshua. They had a firm grasp of the true meaning of scriptures. And we can hold, we can, we can look at what the destruction of the temple did to the Jewish people. You see, while the temple stood, there were multiple sects of Judaism. With its destruction, the Sadducees and the Essenes disappear from history. The seed of Judaism moves away from Jerusalem. So do the followers of Yeshua. Rome becomes more and more the seat of the followers of Messiah and Babylon becomes the seat of Judaism. And so the point is that Paul does not have the Sabbath and the festivals in mind here. So what is he speaking of? Well, we get a clue in the very next verse. In fact, we get the answer. He says, He who observes the day, observes it, for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who does not eat for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. You see, these days have nothing to do, have, have, have to do with eating and drinking. And so what are we talking about? Fast days. Some are observing fast days and others are not. And it says he who observes the day observes it to the Lord and he who eats does so for the Lord. In other words, he who fasts does so to the Lord and he who eats does so to the Lord. Fasting is a personal conviction. The only fast that's commanded in the Bible is Yom Kippur. On that day we're commanded to fast. Any other fast is a matter of opinion and preference. And fasting is... May have some spiritual benefit for the faster. It may look very pious. But the fact remains that except for Yom Kippur, it's a matter of personal preference. You're not commanded to fast anywhere else in the Bible. As an example, we had a fast day this week, right? The ninth of Av. It remembers the destruction of the temples. And so in Judaism, it's a fast day, and many of this in this congregation fasted on that day. But others. Did not. But the fact is, we don't judge one another because of that. Because a fast is a personal preference, it's not a command. Well, it appears that there were those who were judging each other one way or another. Fasting was much more prevalent at the time of Yeshua than it is now, especially in this country. You need to just look around the room and look at myself to see that fasting isn't real important anymore. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) But look at how important it was in the first century. Matthew chapter 9 verse 14 says, The disciples of John came to him asking, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? You see, the Pharisees had many fast days. Yeshua speaks of it in a parable. In Luke chapter 18 verse 11 he says, The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, and adulterers. Or even like tax collectors, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. And so we can see that fasting was was important in the first century and we have a reference to fasting in the Didache as well and I'm going to read it. And this one shows that there was judging going on. They were judging each other for fasting and not fasting. Didache uh, 8 verse 1 says... But do not let your fast coincide with those of the hypocrites. They fast on Monday and Thursday, so you must fast on Wednesday and Friday. <laughs> Undoubtedly, when it says hypocrites, it refers to those who were adhering to Torah and Jewish customs, the customs of the Jewish people. The point being that fasting and when you fasted was a debatable issue for those early followers of Yeshua. So this does not speak of the Sabbath because the Sabbath is not a matter of personal preference or opinion. It's a command written in stone. It's not up for debate. Paul is speaking of matters that are debatable. Next, Paul will get to the heart of the matter. And this is one, and that is that we are one in Messiah. We are brothers in Messiah. We are not islands to ourselves, but God put us here to live in community together. And so he continues this way. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. But if we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And to this end, Messiah died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the living and the dead. You see, the key to Romans 14 is in the words that I highlighted. We live for the Lord because we are the Lord's, or at least we should live for the Lord because we are the Lord's. And the Romans are squabbling over things that are personal preference, that are opinions, and they're not living for the Lord. The Lord gives us instructions to live by and men gives us, gave us opinions to live by. We should be firm on the instructions and not so much on the opinions. Right? And we used an example of the temple and the fast for its destruction. So I'm going to continue with that example. Yeshua speaks of the destruction of the temple. He says this. He was leaving the temple, and one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? And Yeshua replied, Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. You know, for some, this is a terrible event. And so they fast for its loss. For another, it may not have any importance at all. They may look at the temple as already have been destroyed at the time of its destruction, and by that I mean by that I mean, they might look at the spirit of God not being in the temple, the terrible events surrounding the death of Messiah and the apostles at the temple. they may see the corruption that went on in the temple as the temple was already destroyed by men, because God wasn't there anymore. It wasn't the temple of God anymore. He wasn't there. So fasting for the mere destruction of some buildings wouldn't be something that they would even think of. They may see it just as the fulfillment of Yeshua's prophecy or something that God allowed and therefore, why should I fast over that? They may look at verses like 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? God's spirit lives in you and if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. Or they may look at Ephesians chapter 2 and say, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Messiah himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. And in him you are being built together to become a dwelling place for God. They may combine these verses and think, hey, it was all in the plan of God. Why should I fast over what God is doing? And I want you to know I don't take that opinion, but really, either way, it's just an opinion. Yeshua didn't say, not one stone will remain on another. Therefore, from this, the day it's destroyed, I command you to fast on every ninth of Ab. He didn't give us a command to fast. So this is what we call opinion. It's an option. Not required. Therefore, there's no reason for us to squabble if you feel that this is a fast day and you want to fast on this day and fast for the destruction of the temple. Take Yeshua's advice on fasting. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16 says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they've received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who is, sees what is done in secret will reward you. Hey, if you're fasting for the destruction of the temple, unless you're asked, you shouldn't even look like you're fasting. Nobody should know. If you fast like Yeshua says fast, keep your fast for the temple to yourself because it's optional. And do not look on those down on those who do fast. If you don't fast, and you think, hey, why would a guy fast over a pile of stones? Keep it to yourself. Because it just being a pile of stones is your own opinion. Well, that's just a hypothetical example to make the point about opinion. And since Paul speaks of fasting, and we had a, the fast of the ninth of Av, I thought, wow, this is, this is good timing, Lord. Thank you. But the fact is, even though Paul wrote this amazing letter that in essence tells us to major on the majors and let the rest of it go, because of our relationship with one another. Because what's really important is our relationship with one another. It's paramount to the plan of God. Yet, we still major on the minors. And we divide on the minors. Think about it. When, when I see a congregation divide, it's usually over squabble, nothing. Nothing. We in the Messianic movement and the Hebrew Roots movement, we're at the top of the heap when it comes to fighting over opinion. Right? We don't fight over the majors. We all love Messiah. We all keep the Sabbath because God said keep the Sabbath holy. We all keep the Torah that we feel applies to us. We all keep the festivals. And then we divide over the minors. Like, how do we keep the festivals? What is clean food? What is work on the Sabbath? We all love Messiah, as I said, but we fight over the minors. We spoke of some of those minors in the commentary. We fight over things about the Messiah and the Father that we're not even able to understand anyway. And yet we make them doctrines that we have to adhere to. Because if you don't believe in the Trinity, you're a heretic. Amen? <laughs> I hope you didn't say amen to that. <laughs> We all keep the Sabbath because it's written in stone. But then we fight over what we can do and what we can't do on the Sabbath. When the Sabbath begins, does it begin at 6 p.m. sundown or or sundown? 6 p.m. or sundown? We all keep the festivals of God because God says, these are my Sabbaths. But then we fight over the pictures. Do we keep them by the Jewish calendar or do we follow the new moon? We fight over and divide over things like, when is Shavuot? Is it the sixth of Sivan or is it on the first day of the week? Well, let me tell you, the Lord is more upset over the fighting and the bickering than the day we keep. Why not keep both days and make everyone happy? God will bless us for the extra day of gathering together. Guaranteed. We fight over and divide over things like one law. This is the latest thing. One law, divine invitation over the Torah is valid for the Jews, but not for the Gentiles. Instead of rejoicing over our salvation and over the fact that we're one new man in the Messiah, we can now live a life for God in Messiah. You see, I want to read the key again. Verses 7 and 9, through 9, it says, For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself but if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For this, to this end, Messiah died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the living and the dead. Paul tells us what's important. What's important is we're the Lord's. And we should live for the Lord. Paul tells us in this chapter what's unimportant to God. And it should be unimportant to us. And that's the opinions of men. The rest of the letter, Paul has been telling us what's important to God and what should be important to us. He told us from the very first verse Romans 1 1 says, Paul, a bond servant of Messiah Yeshua, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God by the power of the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Messiah Yeshua, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles for His namesake, among whom also are called of Messiah Yeshua. Do you know what's important? Want to know what's important? He covered it. We're called to be bond servants of Messiah. We're bought and paid for by the Son of God. We're bond servants to the Son of God. And what the Son of God says is not opinion. What the Torah says is not opinion. And if we're bond servants to Him, then we should obey Him. And we should never obey other men. I can tell you something else, if you're a servant, you have no right to your own opinion. You only have a right to his opinion. because we're bond servants, we do as the master says. He told us in chapter three, verse 21, he says, "But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Messiah Yeshua, to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Messiah Yeshua. We're not only justified by our faith and our being in Messiah, we're justified by His grace and yet we show each other so little grace. We should be showing each other much grace. And we should be focusing on, rather we're focusing on the minors, we should be focusing on the major, continuing on in Messiah, not bickering about this and that. He told us not to judge one another for the trivial, and that's why in chapter 8 he says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Messiah Yeshua. Because through Messiah Yeshua, the law of the spirit of life, has set me free from the law of sin and death. We're in Messiah. There's no condemnation. He paid the price so that there would be no one who would be able to stand with us on that day and accuse us. So why do we accuse our brothers? Over opinion, much less. He says this in verse 38, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons... Neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Messiah Yeshua our Lord. We ought to be focused on seeing in Messiah, because in Messiah nothing can separate you from the love of God. And so why do we separate ourselves from those who are also in Messiah? Why do we think that because of opinion we can be separated from the Messiah? from those in Messiah. Verse 12 tells us, or chapter 12 verse 4 tells us, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Messiah, we who are many form one body, each member belonging to all the others. We are one body, each of us belonging to the others. We're one in Messiah, bought and paid for. Nothing can take that from us. Messiah will not leave us nor forsake us. He's with us until the end of the age. And so why do we separate ourselves from others who are in him over stinky opinions that mean nothing? Amen? Amen. Let's bring the praise team up.